This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. Welcome to the first news podcast of the Fair State Por- Torch Podcast Network, The Fire Pit. Uh, today I have with me Kaylin, our managing copy editor, Kaylin. Hello. And our lifestyle editor, Marissa Russell. Hello. And she's also our podcast manager. And the but whole reason why we have this. Yes. She's the whole reason we're sitting here today. <laughs> uh, so let's get right on into it. Uh, let's start with uh, the returning to normal story that we have in the uh, paper this week. What are your thoughts? I'm I'm honestly a little skeptical of uh, Ferris's plan right now. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, I don't know if it's right for me to necessarily have an opinion because I'm not <laughs> going to be here. But I do think it's going too fast. I don't think it's going to be completely recovered at that point. You know, I don't think the world's going to be ready for it. Yeah. Well, I feel like we'll be somewhat okay because, like, what. High schools, middle schools, and, like, elementaries are already coming back. So, like, if, in theory, if we do it correctly, we should be able to come back. The thing is, with high schools and middle schools and, you know, younger, the younger people aren't getting COVID as often. And it's, like, our age and above that are getting it, which is what kind of makes me nervous. That, and I think that um, we're not considering that um, Ferris hosts a lot of lecture style or like lecture Mm -hmm. hall style classes where there are sometimes hundreds of students in one room. And I I don't know if our ventilation system is going to be able to handle something like that, Mm -hmm. especially if we're working on COVID. I feel like it's going to be a lot like how in-person classes are right now where you are every other seat and there's capacity of like i think like 20 for most classes well that's what um it is right now but i think that the whole idea of going back to normal is they want to go back to how it always has been before covid even started yeah we don't even really have a normal because the thing is that Mm -hmm. like the normal has been thrown out the window so going back to normal isn't actually a normal for say because we'll still be in masks we'll still be in face shields we'll still have probably dividers up and Hand sanitizers on everyone's backpacks. Well, Noah, can you explain to us a little about what the what Ferris's plan is? So, from my understanding, right now we are looking at a like a full return to face to face as soon as fall of twenty one. Like, I don't know. They're not being very specific on the details as of yet, but mm-hmm. from the sounds of it, we will be back to full capacity face to face. Unless departments, uh, like, I guess, like, ask to not do Mm -hmm. that. Because I know, personally, um, all of my classes this semester are in the English department, so I have nothing in person. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing that's probably... Yeah, same for me. I don't even have any synchronous classes. Well, originally, when we came back in the fall, it was supposed to all be uh, only, like, lab, basically. Like, if you had to be in person, you could be... Like, English was not allowed to be in person, and I think originally they were trying to get it so that communication wasn't in person either, but somehow the communication department, like, finessed the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they eked through because I had public speaking uh, in the fall semester, and we were in person uh, one day a week, but I mean, we only met one day a week, so. Mine was interviewing, and we did that, and, like, we were, instead of being in Johnson, which our classrooms are very small and very, like, tight space, we were put into the music building so like music building got used quite a bit this year because 
in the past it's always been like just music classes and mm-hmm. stuff whereas this year we had awesome like comm classes um i don't even know what the class was before us but it was some other type of class that wasn't necessarily supposed to be there mm-hmm. yeah from what i've heard um in the fall semester the music building was used more than star was so which is crazy because i don't necessarily know if that is confirmably true but that's just what i've heard the mm-hmm. star like at least the first whole floor is supposed to be all lecture halls basically yeah yeah, yeah. if it is like how marissa is saying that it goes back to still being safe but just having all in-person classes again i still then maybe that would be okay, but I don't know if that's exactly what they're thinking. I think from what I've heard, they're thinking of not using many COVID safety procedures anymore at this point. Well, that, and my thing is, is how are we going to be able to keep up with masks? Because I feel like the people that are on campus right now want to be here and are willing to follow the COVID guidelines. However, once you get the entire student body back on campus, how are you going to deal with the people Mm -hmm. that don't want to wear masks when we, we... most likely we'll still have to. I'm not really sure how we can enforce masks when we're having a hard time enforcing masks, even just in the general public, you know? Yeah, walk into a Walmart and you see people will literally hold them on their faces for a few seconds to get past the greeter and then immediately just put them back in their pockets. Yeah, and a lot of the times I feel like in the at least the Big Rapids Walmart, I see people wandering around there without masks all the time, and they don't even try and hide it, even from, like, the greeters. No one's saying anything about it. Well, it depends on the place, because I know, like, even at Wesco, which is where I work, we don't mandate the masks. You guys can come in. Like, we are supposed to be at capacity. I think we're only supposed to have eight people in there, and we'll literally have the entire store full of people. So people aren't taking... You can't mandate it unless your company already says. But I feel like it's different for Ferris, because... They can pull that, uh, oh, you guys have the student conduct or whatever it is when we come in because that's how they made me and Kaylin get tested this last fall was because even though we live in an apartment off campus, they said because we signed this thing when we started going to Ferris, they can make us go get tested wherever they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's another thing too is um, I'm I'm wondering how many people are skipping out on the pretty much university-required testing. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I wouldn't know how possible it would be necessarily. Like, aren't they supposed... There's some sort of, like, backlash to that, isn't there? If I they mean, skip? I would assume so. But the thing is, is, like, I had COVID in late November, early December. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have to get tested again until March 5th, technically. And the thing is, is, like, that is for some reason, just not been communicated to the university very well. And so... I've gotten emails, but, like, nobody has specifically, like, called me or emailed me and said, like, hey, you need to go get a COVID test or X, Y, and Z will happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I honestly don't know. I think they're also just because there are already testing so many people, like the fraternities and sports so much right now that they're not, like, necessarily concerned about you because do you even have classes on campus this semester? I have online classes, but I live on campus. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're concerned about. I guess that makes sense then, but I, like for me and Kaylin, other than at the office and in here, we're not on campus. Mm-mm. Yeah. So why would they make us go get tested unless exactly. they knew that we're going to be here, which they don't necessarily know that. And we all technically work for the university as employees of the Torch, and then we've never gotten like a, hey, you work for the university, you have to go get tested mm-hmm. to keep doing your yeah, job. Yeah, no, we haven't at all. Well, because for students, a lot of the students 
uh, they're doing it remotely because that's their whole thing was that, okay, if you could do your job from home, we're going to make you do home. So if yeah. you notice, a lot of the people that usually are here that are students that are working, they aren't here anymore. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and I mean, I'm also just kind of looking forward to going back into like the full swing of things because all of our dining options have been significantly reduced on campus. Yeah. Like, I'm ordering out, like, three times a week at this point because I'm so sick of the campus food. Mm-hmm. And you have a, a meal plan that's, yeah. like, you can use whenever, right? Yep. I have an anytime, like, gold, platinum, plated, whatever meal plan, and I never use it because I'm just so sick of what The Rock is serving. So you're yeah. basically just wasting money. Oh, absolutely. I wasted, like, $2,600 to eat on campus, and I use my meal plan maybe once a week. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way. I mean, even, honestly, even when... I lived on campus and none of the COVID stuff was going on. I still got annoyed with eating at like the rock every single day. Seriously? Yes. Like I I would live on campus and it was like the best thing if I went and sat there like uh, every single day of the week because my friends would have the like guest swipe. So they would swipe me in every day. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is like the best because like especially when we go to the rock there's like mongolian grill and well i do that's miss the thing. that's, that's the not thing open right now are you serious you can't get that right now why not they've reduced their options significantly you can't have like custom bowls done they're like limiting the hours for their like service of a bunch of different meals the only thing that's really open is the burger station and they serve burgers chicken sandwiches and fries every single day mm-hmm. of the week for the last like five months why is the mongolian grill not an option because apparently it's not easily enough to be made self-serve which which doesn't make sense to me how can you not just have somebody standing back there with some plates and throwing the veggies that you want on mm-hmm. them i could understand if they said oh we don't want the like four people to stand around the little grill like but at least put two people, one on the either side, and yeah, yeah. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really see how that would not be manageable. And they're like, oh, I don't know if their concern is people crowding outside the girl pit, but like, put up some freaking yeah. ropes. I mean, I assume the problem is people digging into like the veggies and like yeah. the noodles and stuff with on their own. So it seems like it would be a super easily fixed problem. Just yeah, to have the especially because other things like breakfast were self-service but then mm-hmm. switched to being served to you yeah. for a, a pretty decent time there and that recently as well as the drink station just got switched back to self-service which i mean is nice but at the same time it's like, but um unless you do have anything else to add on the topic of COVID, i think we can scooch on into our next topic i think i'm ready to move on uh i just wonder <laughs> how they're going to do if they're going to bring back RSOs and stuff if we're going to be in person because I know like a whole bunch of RSOs like us the Bulldog Radio RSO we can't meet in person which I don't know how they met in person before because this room that we're in is oh yeah it's very small <laughs> but I mean it probably they met in flight before I'm pretty sure oh but it just makes me wonder if they're gonna if we're gonna go back to normal like all the stuff that we used to do like the events too yeah. Are they going to start having Bulldog Bonanza again? Absolutely. Because I remember my freshman year, there were so many events that I went to. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just don't know how those are going to be possible. Well, even the... with um, more relaxed COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. Because the... they were several hundred people in attendance. Yeah. The crazy thing to me is that FSUS, which is our introductory yes. class freshman year, is supposed yes. to be, like, the class to help you learn about campus and learn about your resources. Mm-hmm. And they still allowed freshman this year to take that class but like one of the guys that i know he knows absolutely nothing about campus he knows so he lives in one of the dorms he knows where the dining halls are and that's it like 
He one doesn't of know my, all the sources. One of my freshman friends, she took FSUS, and they didn't do anything on campus. That class was completely taught online for her, and all she did was go through the flight databases online and, like, talked about how to take better notes, and that was her entire 16-week class. Mm-hmm. I mean... Honestly, did you guys get anything out of that class? Oh, absolutely oh, yes. not. <laughs> I did. I feel like that was no. the most pointless class yeah. I ever Oh, had. I loved it. Google Maps was my bestie. The first two weeks that I was here, I found everything that I needed to, and it was perfectly We literally fine. did nothing the whole semester. Yeah. Like, she talked to us and yep. about Oh, I had it with our old uh, uh, newspaper advisor, and I loved it. That's how I met some of the people that I'm really good friends with now, and then that's how I learned about the torch. And, and the bummer thing is, too, is I think FSUS could be a really good class if they put effort into it, but I mm-hmm. didn't. Oh, I yeah. Virtually it, nothing away from it. Does, it definitely no. depends on what advice, like, oh, teacher absolutely. you get. Because, mm-hmm. absolutely. like, we did a scavenger hunt, and, yeah, the people were mad that we did it, but we learned exactly where all the, like, major resources were. Like, if you had any issues with uh, loans or paying your bills, you could go to Timmy Center, which, mm-hmm. for most people, they thought that was just a randomly named place, but... Because of that class, our whole class knew yeah. what that mm-hmm. was for. I mean, we did a flight, like, scavenger hunt, and yep. it was honestly the worst experience of my life. Yeah, I, I don't think I've been back to flight since, except to use the salad <laughs> robot. See, I'm just... The salad robot? Yeah. There's a salad Have you robot not now. seen those salad robots? What? Yeah, you literally <laughs> walk up to it. It's got a giant touchscreen on it. You pick out what salad you want. You stick a bowl in it, and then a robot just dispenses your salad into the bowl. Oh, the Brutus bowls? Yeah. I knew that, but you said a salad robot. That's, That's what, what they're is. called. They're called salad robots. They're called Brutus bowls. Oh, yeah, but they're not salad anywhere robots. other than Ferris. Anyways, but wait, this um, isn't just a Ferris thing. No, this is like a whole company. They have an app and everything, like that you can download to pre-order your food. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now you know. Yeah. Uh, but with that, I think we can uh, move on into the second topic of the show. Uh, so this week I wrote an article about uh, the ins and outs of Delta 8, which is uh, pretty new on the scene. So mm-hmm. I know, Kaylin, you've read over it. What are your initial thoughts? Did you have any more questions? Or Honestly, I feel like we just need to do a quick run through of what exactly it is. Absolutely. Okay. So from my understanding and all of the research that I did, Delta 8 is one carbon bond away from the typical like delta 9 thc Mm -hmm. that we uh typically perceive as like the normal type of weed yeah i guess so instead of uh the carbon bond being i might get this backwards because i don't have it directly in front of me right now but instead of it being on the um ninth carbon like chain the bond or a bond a carbon bond on the ninth carbon chain it's on the eighth carbon chain hence delta Mm eight instead of delta nine um, so it's basically one molecule different or one carbon bond different from, uh, Delta nine. Mm-hmm. However, it is found in way smaller quantities. Like it's just a very small part of a cannabis plant. Okay. Like you can only derive it from a very little bit and you only get so much from like one plant per se. So I guess it's in a little bit more of a scarce supply. However, since it's not so sought after, it's not like getting hit with, I guess, like scarcity pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it delivers uh, most of the physical effects just with about a third or a half, depending on the product and user, 
um, the mental effect of like normal Delta 9 THC. Mm -hmm. I think that we should also just add in here, we're not promoting drugs. Oh, absolutely not, no. We're just giving information. And so the interesting part about this, the whole like reason that it's it's legal is um, because of the Farm Bill of 2018. So that legalized any cannabinoid substance that contained less than 0.3% of Delta-9 THC. And Delta-8 falls into that because it has mm-hmm. about 0.06%. And so it falls under that category. And so anybody um, over the age of 18 in, I believe, 38 states can legally purchase this. So my question is, as someone who isn't, like, I know nothing about weed at all, why would I want Delta-8 compared to Delta-9? So Delta-8 versus Delta-9 is more for, it's like a natural, like, from what I was told, and also we're not trying to make any specific claims. This is just based off of um, what we've heard from users and uh, people who manufacture this. So, because it's not legal to make make claims, but, um, so what people have said is that it provides more of a natural pain relief than like a pharmaceutical option. Mm -hmm. And it also helps them sleep a lot better. And for people that have, uh, it can curb a lot of nausea and because it is an appetite stimulant. I guess I just really don't understand how it's that different from Delta 9. Like, I understand, like, the scientific, like, it's different in the way that the carbon bonds are on different chains. But what, like, actually, does anything actually make it that much different so kind of like i said it's pretty close to the same thing Mm -hmm. however it just doesn't have as strong of a mental effect as normal like delta 9 does so you're still getting a lot of the benefits of like a physical uh feeling however you're not going to be getting as aggressive as like a head Mm -hmm. high basically okay and it's very interesting too because the um, person I interviewed, the owner of Isik Outlet, um, Thomas, he started his like production of it because he's making his own um, like chewable Delta mm-hmm. Eight, like edibles basically. And he originally started about six months ago with like three thousand like gummies a week basically, and that's what he was manufacturing down in Muskegon. Well, now he's at almost two hundred thousand a week, and he's shipping wow. them worldwide like he's currently doing a pilot program with a like japanese equivalent of cvs oh wow so this is kind of really taking off oh absolutely yeah and so this wasn't even uh really available on the market until like the very tail end of 2019 a very big cannabis company out of ohio i believe um started shipping delta 8 products and then uh, in the start of 2020 is when it really started to take off as other manufacturers were seeing what was available mm-hmm. and what was going out. And that is kind of when Tom got into it. Um, and he sells a variety of products too. And he basically said that that's been really, really good for his business. Mm-hmm. So what's the price range compared for Delta 8 compared to others? So that really depends on product. Mm-hmm. Um, I think since his best sellers are probably the um, like the gummies that he makes, it would be not bad to compare that to like um, like edibles or gummies of Delta Nine capacity. So uh, his twenty milligram ones, I believe, start at 
like seventeen dollars. And they're in a package with two, right? Or you ten, get, I mean. You get ten. And they're twenty milligrams a piece, so you get two hundred milligrams a package. And that is about seventeen dollars. And so from my um understanding of the Delta Nine like THC community, um it would cost a little bit more to get the same amount. Usually you're paying I would say like ten dollars for a seventy five milligram edible. Mm-hmm. Um that's usually like a pretty good baseline from my understanding would be to like start from there. So those are usually about $10. So I would say you'd be getting, it's definitely cheaper because like I said, for 200 milligrams, you're basically paying $17. Whereas for 200 milligrams of like Delta nine, you'd be looking at like $25, I think. Okay. What about in comparison to something like CBD that doesn't have THC in it? So you're kind of probably going to fall towards the middle uh, of the price road with that, like Delta uh, Delta 8 will probably fall more towards the middle mm-hmm. in that uh, CBD will be a bit cheaper because it's not, like, supposed to give you, like, drastic effects. Mm-hmm. Like, CBD kind of works like pharmaceuticals in a way where you really need to be taking it for a few days before you start to actually get effect from it. Mm-hmm. So um, typically that stuff is rather cheap, but... I don't really have anything to specifically compare it to, yeah. unfortunately, because I don't really have experience with CBD. I really don't have much experience with any of this, but I just find it all so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, if you consider, though, um, Tom left me with this at the end of our interview. He basically said, you need to be making sure of the quality of your product that you're like purchasing. He said, uh, pretty much, and I quote, um, if you're buying like CBD from a gas station and you're not like Whisker. getting any type of effect from it then don't give up on cbd Mm -hmm. because it's cbd from a gas station yeah it's kind of like eating gas station sushi i mean you haven't been to (laughs) like a real sushi restaurant so don't don't dash sushi until you've tried good sushi yeah i get that we have trained professionals and actually have a bakery that in delhi comes from so well excuse me all right. I then. was talking about like stereotypical gas station sushi. Like marathon. Yes. Marathon sushi. Marathon That's what we sushi. don't like. We'll yes. never get a marathon sponsorship. Never. I, I don't think we'll get a Wesco sponsorship <laughs> either for that. Bring me out if we try real hard. <laughs> but um, did either of you have any more questions or want any more information on this? So, and just in my viewpoint, it's kind of like turning the table a little bit, but I just don't understand why weed has such a bad stigma to it. See, like, we're getting a lot into theoreticals with this because I can give you a rather decent explanation as to why weed carries the reputation that it does. Well, I just don't understand is that more people are like acceptable accepting towards alcohol, which there's so many people that are violent on alcohol. Like I've like being at a bar, which is a great example of people that are just crazy when they're drunk, but then like when I've gone to a party and you stumble upon the wrong room and you have smoke everywhere, these people are just chill. Yeah. So, like, why is why is one okay when the other isn't and there's two different... So, I guess a little brief history lesson for you. This goes way, way back. So, um, hemp was actually illegalized so long ago. Like, I, I would say centuries at this point. Because you could make paper out of hemp. Mm -hmm. But uh, the timber industry wanted to continue raking in the dough. And so they lobbied to have hemp illegalized. 
And so the stigma has always kind of carried from that because um, weed has always come along with fear campaigns. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't know if you guys remember the ad of the girl who was like flat Stanleying on her couch. And they're like, oh, Jessica's been terrible since she started smoking weed. And she's like flat Stanleying on the couch. Like, there's been constant fear campaign. You know what I'm talking about. No, I just, I was, like, sitting here thinking, I was like, what's Flat Stanley? And I was, like, trying to, like, rack my leg. And then I just remember the kid that got smucked by the, uh, his bulletin board or whatever. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) No, but, um, it's always carried this, like, negative stigma because of the campaigns run against Mm -hmm. it. But in reality, it is a non-addictive substance. And again, we're not promoting this product. Um, it's a non-addictive substance, whereas alcohol has, uh, like, addictive properties, mm-hmm. and it's not really doing any harm to anybody that is of legal age to smoke it, I guess I should say. Because if you are younger, then there can be brain development issues and everything like that. Just If you're paying attention to the risks of what you're doing, you should be fine. See, mm-hmm. another thing that I don't understand is how they say it's not addictive when I've seen... Like, I'm not saying that it necessarily is, but I've just seen, like, friends of mine and stuff... They absolutely cannot go a day without being high. And, like, they are constantly, like, doing this stuff. And so... So, I would say to that, um, it's not a chemical-based addiction. It's not the substance that they're addicted to. It's the feeling, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's, it's not... Like, you're not chemically addicted to weed. Like, if you don't smoke, you won't go through withdrawals. Like, you'll just... People get addicted to, like the good mental feeling and everything Mm -hmm. like that. Like it's not an actual chemical addiction to like marijuana. Another thing that I think also comes into play of why marijuana is so like not like accepted is so like I have a family member that was an alcoholic and went to rehab and uh, all the people that were drug users there were Oh, they said that they started off with marijuana, and after that, they just chased the high. And See, and I don't even know what to say to that. Mm-hmm. Like, because it, it varies wildly from person to person. Like, there are people who I think tend to have more addictive personalities than other and others, and that may be a contributing factor. But, like, I don't really know how to argue that it's not a like a gateway to Mm -hmm. anything because I I don't necessarily believe that it is because like I said there's not really any like chemical changes that your body is like experiencing or going through when you're like smoking or something like that you know Mm -hmm. see I never knew that I just knew that people said that wasn't addictive but they never explained how it wasn't because I was like I've like half my friends are huge into smoking they literally like, wouldn't necessarily go through withdrawals, but they're super irritable and just don't want to do anything if they're not high. Yeah, and I think, like, I, I'm i not a medical professional and I'm not an expert in any of this, but I think that that is more of a, like, mental health issue maybe more so than, a, mm-hmm. like, an addiction. Well, I mean, addiction can also be a mental health issue. Absolutely. If we're not talking about necessarily, like... um like a chemical addiction we're talking about like a mental disability a lot of the times people have um addictive personalities and that is that is a mental disorder yeah and i don't know i kind of wish that the stigma around uh 
around weed would disappear because like look at michigan we like we've legalized it and it's basically revitalizing a lot of communities Mm -hmm. like with how much like with dispensaries opening up and people like actually wanting to spend their money in their community like it's actually doing good and like the tax revenue from that's coming from that is going to tax the crap out of it I wouldn't say tax the crap out of it, but there is tax on it that is mm-hmm. going to help fund like programs that we didn't have funding for that weren't possible before because there just wasn't the money for it. So I think that there's a lot of benefit into the legalization, especially because there's going to be governmental regulation. I think if the government is smart with the regulations they put in place, that it can be a very good relationship between the government and business owners and um people who like partake and stuff like that and like i think it's kind of funny because i i genuinely believe the john mulaney joke about this was true <laughs> mm-hmm. where he was like we've just been asking for it for 40 years and they're finally acting like the cool parent and saying all right you <laughs> take can a little take a little <laughs> only in the house <laughs> but yeah i think I think it's a very positive like thing that we're starting to talk about the stigma surrounding it and how it is not as bad as like alcoholism and stuff mm-hmm. like that and like how it's safer than alcohol and like you're not going to directly die from like a weed overdose or like any real condition related to that whereas from like alcohol you could die from liver failure mm-hmm. or liver cancer or any any number of things like you know it's just I'm glad that we're finally starting to talk about this. Yeah. Well, thank you, Noah, for teaching us. Yeah. I feel like you really enlightened us to a lot of things Absolutely. Here. I'm, I'm glad I can explain this because I think that it's definitely a conversation we need to be having. So I'm glad we could have a talk about it. And mm-hmm. I'm glad I could expand more on this story. So thank you. with that, I think this wraps up the first edition of the news podcast. Um Go ahead and follow at FSU Torch on all the social media platforms you can possibly think of. TikTok included. TikTok included. And we have a t- first TikTok out yet? We have not posted our first TikTok. I was going to try and do that with Marissa. We'll have to do that today. Yeah. Uh, and then also, if you are a little confused about maybe how to find our social media, media you can also just go to our website, FSUtorch.com, yes. and see all of our articles and our social media is linked to that. So, All right. Would you guys uh, like to tell us where we can find you if you want to plug your social medias? Mm, I suppose. You can find me at KRJ2017. Currently, it'll probably be changing soon since I'm getting married, but currently that's what it is on all socials. So I am either... R-I-S-S-R-U-S-S, Riss Russ on everything, or R-I-S-S-R-U-S-S-0-6. Because, like, some people stole it at one point. <laughs> and you can find me on all social media platforms at No Other Reporter. So thank you guys for joining me. I look forward to chatting with you again. Me too. This was great. Yeah, I love talking to you guys, especially oh. on a podcast. Awesome. <laughs>